We are in a series of messages on healing, healing for our spirit, our soul, and our body. And uh, I want to begin this morning by, you know, last week I said, let's magnify the Lord. Let's all stand up for a moment. I have a scripture we're going to read from Psalm 103. Stand up. We want to read this together. We're going to get our hearts uh, in exaltation, looking to him. So let's all read this together. It's just five verses. Let's say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just come. We are in your presence, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here moving among us. We recognize you. We ask you to reveal truth to us. You are the teacher of the church. You are our guide and you are our helper in this life. And so we give this time to you, Lord. We set it apart for you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to teach us and show us, reveal truth to us. And in particular, Lord, about the healing of our bodies and your desire to do that through salvation. And we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Yes. Oh, my soul. And forget not his benefits, who forgives all of our sins, and he, he heals all of our diseases. So I've been saying this all along, that um, when the Lord forgave us of our sin debt, and he gave us the gift of salvation, uh, he gave us the gift of healing right along with it, just like what this scripture says. He, he forgives all of our sins and he heals all of our diseases. And healing is part and parcel with the gospel. If you, if you will say, well, I am saved, then you, you can just as easily and confidently say, I am healed. Because it did come part and parcel with the gospel. That word salvation, so many of us think, well, when I give my life to Christ, I'm saved, and that means I have this assurance in my heart if I follow God that I have assurance that you know, I'll be with him in heaven when I, when I leave this life, when I die. And that's true. But the word salvation carries a much broader meaning than just assurance of heaven because it's, 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 salvation actually means wholeness. It means rescue. It means preservation. It means healing for our entire being. And that's why I titled this series, Spirit, Soul, and Body, because God wants wholeness in our spirit. Our spirit is born again, uh, and that's how we touch God. That's how we touch the things of God. But we have a soul, your mind, your will, emotions, your personality, and then you have this outside physical body. So we're a three-part being, and God gave salvation not just to one part. He came to save all of you, spirit, soul, and body. And so if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you've become a new creation. We love that scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old has passed away, all is new. And all now is from God. And you're born of his spirit, and you've received an inheritance. I mentioned some of that in one of these previous messages. You've received a great inheritance 
And I often picture salvation like a big gift box. I thought about this, this box that we're going to give for Operation Christmas Child. But it, it's like if you could picture salvation like this big gift box. It has salvation written on the front of it. But it's, but it's not just one box. It's, it's like a nesting box. You know what a nesting box is? You have one big box, and then you take the lid off, and you go, oh, there's something else in here. And that's how it is with salvation. It's like, oh, there's, take it off, and it's like God's abiding, you know, deep love for me. I'm welcome in his family. Like, that's awesome. It's like, well, that doesn't stop there. Just take the lid off of that box and take the next one out. Well, what does that one say? Oh, well, that one says that you've been given abundance of grace and favor in your life. It's like, oh, sweet. Abundance of grace and favor. But don't stop there. Take the lid off of that box and put that one aside. It's like, well, what's the next one? Oh, the gift of righteousness? Like, awesome. You have been made righteous in his sight? That doesn't stop there. The nesting box keeps going on. Take the lid off and you could open it up and go, ah, he's given you faith. He's given you all, we, us all a measure of his mountain-moving faith, the power of faith to walk through this life. And then you just keep going. You could take the lid off and go, well, how many boxes are there? Well, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit is another gift for us to have, right? Then the next gift would be healing. And then you could open up the next one and say he's given us the fruit of the Spirit dwells on the inside of you. The next box could be any number of things, you know, for us. His wisdom, right? Spiritual gifts, like another box, like I've given, he's, there's not one person in here who has not been gifted with a spiritual gift in their salvation. We all have spiritual gifts that we're meant to use to serve other people and to give glory to God. And so there's so much. It's not just one. Just don't think of salvation as just this one big box. I'm saved. We need to explore the box. Take the lid off and start looking and partaking of the things that God gave us. This is our inheritance. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Right? And don't forget his benefits. See, this is, these are his benefits. And I think so many of the church don't even know the benefits. I'm saying to you, take, explore and partake. Many don't even know there's more to it. How many of you were like that when you first came into the things of God? We grew up in a very traditional church. This was all so new to us. It's like, what? This is all part of who I, of my salvation, who I became in Christ. And so we've been given so great a salvation, we don't want to drift past us. We want to be partakers of it. We want to be explorers of it. We want to give it away, right? So I, I want to, um, in this message, I want to begin just by reviewing a little bit of what I've talked about in these previous messages. And if you've missed any of the messages and you want to hook them together, you know, there's, there are other things that you just can't continually repeat in a message. We have it on our website. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, we have a podcast, so there's any number of ways that you can hook in and listen to these messages again. But I want to review a few of things that I said before, because I believe this is really important uh, understanding to healing. To, the healing of our body isn't just like knowing one random scripture and feeling like, well, I've got it. We have to know the bigger picture. And scripture says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing how? Hearing the word of God. Yeah, it's not just hearing anything. We have to keep hearing the word of God. It's repetitive. 
It's not one time. It's repetitive, and, and faith begins to grow in our heart then as we hear, and we hear, and we hear. It's like little seeds that get planted down in our heart, and then they start to grow, and they become bigger in our life. And so I want to repeat a couple of these things because we need to get the bigger story to why we're here. You know, so many of us just live, you know, we have our existence. We just sort of plan out our own life, even as Christians. We don't really understand our roots and the beginning of who God intended us to be. I spoke about uh, strongholds last week. You know, that we need to take a stand against strongholds in our mind that oppose the word of God. How many of you noticed any of that this past week, maybe, in your thinking? I hope so. I don't know how you can get through a day without having thoughts come that go against the knowledge of God. I mean, we all have that happen. And a stronghold isn't just one thought or two thoughts. A stronghold is like a belief system that's made up of many thoughts. They kind of stand against this idea, and especially about healing, it could be like, whoa, I don't know. I mean, medicine, doctors, you don't go to the doctor's office and hear anything about trusting God for healing of your body, do you? We've been just programmed to only accept what medicine says. And I believe in medicine. We go to doctors. But I always go to the doctor with the great physician in mind. It's like, you are Lord over this temple. This doctor will give me some, some form of wisdom and advice, but I'm going to look to the highest authority over my, over my body. And so our belief system, you know, some of these things in our belief system have to come down as far as resisting the truth in God's word. And the, the thing about our belief system is it's actually established for the most part. This is kind of scary, but I mean, I was looking up some research on this. By the time you're a teenager, your belief system is getting solidified to how you see yourself, how you see other people, how much you can accomplish in life. Now, that could be scary depending on <laughs> what you've learned up until your teen years, right? How you grew up, the environment you grew up in, how much you were pushed how many goals you had, how, what you were told about yourself, your identity, what you could do in life. And I think to myself, we have a lot of mind renewal to do. This is not just, the, again, about, I think, I'm trying to teach about healing. It's not just about knowing by his stripes we are healed. It's about a bigger picture of understanding how the world has kind of wanted to squeeze us into its mold. And this is why scripture says in Romans 12, we must renew our minds because scripture says there in Romans 12 we will be, we will be transformed that means you go from like a you know the cocoon into a butterfly the worm into the butterfly the you're transformed how by the renewing of our mind then we prove out the good and perfect will of God for our lives so we have work to do and it's okay that we have work to do this is why we come together and we learn together. We rub elbows together, iron sharpening iron, so that we can learn from one another. We can hear the word of God preached and then judge ourselves and go, whew, I need a, I need a mindset change over there. That's okay. We all do. You can't put yourself down for it. The greatest thing is you're 50% there if you will just admit, I have some work to do. They tell you that. 
in counseling, you know, when a person f comes to admit, I do have a problem, like you, they tell you, you're 50% to healing just by admitting the problem. And so it's okay that we all, that we need mind renewal because we, we have entered into a new kingdom. When we, we are born again, we enter into a new kingdom. We are to learn to walk by faith. And often it's in things that we don't see. We're putting our trust now in things in an unseen kingdom. That takes mind renewal. That takes time. Yeah. So to tear down a stronghold, we must have broader knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the truth is what's going to eventually, Jesus said, you know, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple. And then you'll know the truth. Then the truth will what? Set you free. But it starts with abiding in his word. And then we know the truth. And then the truth will set us free. And so we have to have broader knowledge of what the whole story of the Bible is. Who you are. Why did God create human beings? And why are we here? You know, the devil has just flooded the minds of people in the world with this whole lie of evolution. And it's taught with authority. As though we know, we know what happened 10 million years ago. And I think to myself, the media doesn't know what happened a day ago. You know, they're lying to you from yesterday. It's like 10 million years ago. Were you there? No. I mean, we need spiritual discernment. We cannot be just gullible because we are the people who know the truth. We are the ones that hold the, the word of life in our hands. The church needs to rise up and be bold, more straight up about what we believe. And then God's, God will arrive on the scene if we will take our place and be bold and say, that's a lie. This is a lie. And I think, you know, you didn't come from stardust, from some big bang. You did not come that way. You did not come out of some random happen chance, you know, cell division in some kind of, yeah. I mean, they'll tell you, like, they talk about a repti the reptilian brain. Your brain is triune. I remember in nursing school, I never heard about reptilian brain. I remember recently reading and thinking, where did this come from? Reptilian brain? I mean, it's what an insult, an insult to a, to a person, a people made in God's image and likeness to say, you have a reptilian brain. I mean, it is insulting. And so we have to, we have to look at that and go, no, that's a lie. We cannot just go, hmm, 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 you know, because all this affects how much you will fight for what you've been given in Christ. If you just lay down under all these lies, it's like you don't fight. And the Bible says this is a fight of faith. We are called to a fight of faith. And if you feel like, well, I'm not a fighter, I'm not a... Well, you're going to have to learn to stand up. Because the devil is going to want to trump on you. And we're supposed to trump on him. He's the one who's under our feet, right? So humanity, your beginnings in Genesis... It just tells us we are made in the image and likeness of God. It tells, that should tell us how chosen you are, how special you are to the heart of God, how unique you are, loved you are. I mean, 
we, we were meant to be children, and we are now children of God. I mean, he was creating a kingdom family, is what he was doing with Adam and Eve. Sons and daughters. When you have a son or daughter, do you want to love them and bless them and have fellowship with them? And Absolutely. Well, we get that desire from him. It all started with him. And so he wanted a family to love, a family to bless, a family to have fellowship with. And he gave them dominion over the earth. The earth originally belonged Adam and Eve. It was their domain. It was their domain. Until the devil, we know, in the form of a serpent, <laughs> came into the garden and lied and deceived Eve, made these suggestions to her. You're going to be more like God if you <laughs> eat from the tree. Even though God said, don't do it, look at it. I'm sure he must have suggested, said, look at how beautiful that tree is. I'm sure it wasn't some ugly, broken down half, you know, it was beautiful. And so as she gazed at it, he's making these suggestions to her, you'll be more like God. Well, they had only known good. God had said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had only known good from God. And so curiosity in her mind led her to follow the serpent's suggestions. And, you know, I think to myself that old phrase, uh, curiosity killed the cat. Yeah. I mean, there are some doors in our life you should not open. There are some things that just are not to be explored. Curiosity can get you into problems. Well, I'm just going to try this. Just drug, just this once. It's not, just going to try it. Just going to look at that just once. <laughs> I'm just going to hang out with these people just once and just see what it's about. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm going to just watch this movie just this once. Just it's about witchcraft. I just want to just see what they do. And I, I just heard uh, a woman give a testimony about that very thing. She said, I was curious about witchcraft. And there is a movie. I'm not going to even tell you the name of it because then it might make you curious. <laughs> but it's a Hollywood movie. And apparently it describes what they do in witchcraft. And she said, let's all watch it just as once with my friends. And they watched it, and they watched what they did, and then they decided after the movie, well, let's just try that one thing. And they did, and they were starting to learn about, you know, items and spells. And, and they, long story short, it took her into Wicca witchcraft, it took her into Satanism, and it took her into a lot of bondage. And she said, it all started with just that one little movie we watched. And uh, the curiosity just led us from one thing to another. I mean, the good part of her story was she was gloriously saved at some point. But not until after she had years of bondage following that door. Because sometimes all Satan needs is just a little crack in your mind. Sometimes we, this is part of strengthening our mind. We have to know how to shut the door. I'm not going in that direction. I'm not thinking that. And, you know, Eve took that suggestion, and Adam, who was with her, ate. And when they sinned and disobeyed, it all changed. Everything changed. Spiritual death came on the scene, and their lives were changed. So God, in his purity, his holiness, his righteousness, he had to banish them from the garden. 
And the earth went into this, if you will, a tailspin of death. Everything now on the earth went on to a death cycle, including people. It became a place of toil and hardship. This is why we have what we have today. It's difficult, is it not? Yeah, we still have toil and hardship. No longer will the earth just bring forth beauty and good and life. Now everything is on this life and death cycle, life and death cycle, right? And then because of sin, this is where you see in the pages of the Bible after that, you see, sin appear, or you see sickness appear, you see disease, you see violence, you see pride, you see fear of God, rejection of God, doubting of God. I mean, everybody now is born into this fallen condition. And this mindset against God is lodged in us. This is what the Bible calls the mind of the flesh. <laughs> That's the reptilian. Yeah. That's our reptilian brain. Yeah. And it's kind of true the way they describe it, because that's the impulsive part of your brain. This, you know, the instinctive part. They say that it just kind of, you do it like an animal has an instinct. But, and so in that sense, it fits the mind of the flesh because the mind of the flesh in the Bible says it's hostile to God. It just goes against, automatically rebels against the things of God. And so this all grieved. Imagine, imagine the heart of a father, Father God, looking at his creation now going, they're separated from me. They're on a death cycle. Everything I created now has turned and there's actually a curse on everything. And it grieved the heart of God. The sin grieved the heart of God. And this word sin is interesting. You know, when it says when Adam, Adam sinned, the word sin, this is up, I, yeah, the word sin in Hebrew means to miss the mark. And isn't that an interesting definition of sin? I mean, sometimes we just think sin like is an action or it's. But it, in the Hebrew, it means to miss the mark. The word was used like in archery or spear throwing. So when you throw a spear, you're wanting to hit the mark right in the center, right? Or pull back your bow, Pastor Steve. Yeah. Bow hunts. It's like you want to hit the mark. He showed me the other day from the kitchen window. He's like, come and see. I was just practicing my shots. He was so proud of himself because they were all around the bullseye in the middle. I know. I know. But it was. But that's the point. You know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, well, they, the, <laughs> no, they were, they were there. I got to get my words right around, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm asking myself, if Adam missed the mark, you know, what's the mark that he missed? But in, in Psalm 127, it says the children are a heritage from the Lord. They're like a, arrows in a quiver that are meant to be shot out on target for the plan and purpose of God. And I think, well, Adam launched from God's quiver, but he missed the mark. He missed the point now of his existence. And what is the point? What was the point of his existence? To be one with God. To be loved by God. Yes, to be in the divine family of God. Be blessed by God. To obey and, and have dominion and fellowship and all those blessings that came with being a child of God. And I think now all of humanity, though, is born like what happened to Adam. They're, they're born into the earth, but they're lost. They're missing the mark. I mean, look around at the world. 
Are people understanding this truth? No, <laughs> no. Missing the mark, shot off, but not hitting the target. And of course, the devil delights in this. This was the whole plan. He delights in this, you know, with the hope that people never find the mark, never hear the gospel, die in their sin. And the scripture says, if you die in your sin, what happens? You suffer eternal death, eternal separation from God. Folks, the devil is real. He is real and he has an agenda. You know, the Ephesians 2 says that uh, before we came to Christ, that we were all under the power of the prince of the air. We were influenced by the prince of the power of the air. And it says in Ephesians 2, if you want to read that later, Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3, that he's still working. He's still working. So in 2020, the devil is still at work, working in, through the sons, it says, of disobedience and those who go against the, the will of God. So he's still at work. And I know the general public, if you say this, would just have a good scoffing laugh. You believe in the devil? If you told them that you believe that the whole world is under the power of the evil one. That's 1 John 5. I mean, a recent Barna poll said that 50% or a little less of professing Christians believe in a literal devil. How do you even, you can't even, you can't get it. <laughs> if you don't believe, we're at war. This is a war between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. If there's no literal devil, throw the whole thing out. Throw Genesis out from the beginning to the end. Throw the whole book out. Because the devil is real. And he's very much at work through all the airways. He's the principality of the air. What an appropriate word, air. <laughs> through speech, thought, flooding the airways, the internet, the media, television, higher institutions of learning, deny the instance or existence of God. Find good and evil. They really make it question thing and throw the book away, basically. Marriage, they're redefined. They're redefined. Event is made possible the truth. Experiencing come to do. Give us life and more abundantly. And even like the nesting box, that's abundant life. Don't just think in terms of like a pile of material things. Although God blesses, God's not, you know, opposed to having money as long as money doesn't have us. So we can, money is just all part of our blessing and spreading the gospel. But, but the devil, you know, his desire is to keep people from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. And this is why the church is so important. This is why what the church preaches is so important. I mean, this is why we need to be people that are sharing our faith with people around us. 
Now's not the time to be quiet. The devil is like shouting his perspective constantly. Well, where's the church? The church really should be full of people learning the things of God, taking it out into the world to our neighbors, you know, to our co-workers, to one another. Yes. I invite people to church. Invite them. They need to hear the good news. The church is important because I say it again, we're the ones who hold the truth. This is Romans 5.17 says this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. That's what we've been talking about. But how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what's that word? Reign. Reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. <laughs> through faith. Yeah, as king, some translations say reign as, a, as, a, as king in life. See, it's this dominion that we're taking back. It's through faith that we do this, but we need to believe that truth. We've been given a gift of righteousness, and through that righteousness, we take a stand, and we reign in life. It's like open the box, righteousness, peace, healing for me. Your whole eternal destiny has been changed once you know Christ. Now we can like hit the mark, right? We can be shot off into life and hit the mark. That's what it means to be reigning in life. We know why we're here. We're not like the world, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. No, we know why we're here. We know what we've been given. We're assured of it. See, by faith now, in our heart, we can touch our homeland again. We can touch God again, the way he always wanted it to be. Oh, our souls were made for God. Amen. We were made for him. This was our original design. Our original dwelling place was with him. And God's desire then wouldn't be for us to just go through life worried, filled with fear, broken down, defeated, like the world. That's not how he designed us. That's not his plan. And just live under the weight of whatever the world throws at you. You know, a large part of the pain of life just comes from wrong thinking. Yes. That haunting fear of evil. Oh, the what if. Suppose this happens and we don't know what to do with those things. We should know what to do with them. But so often, you know, the Bible says in Hosea, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we need knowledge of these things. You know, and, and the media is just selling fear. The whole coronavirus, fear-based. I mean, the one of the candidates for president, I won't say which one, but guess who it was, <laughs> who said people are dying every day and we're doing nothing. It's going to be a dark winter. And I thought, well, that's not the world I live in. That's not the kingdom I'm part of. The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until that perfect day. Yeah, you know. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm not going through a dark winter, you know. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I'm under the shelter of the Almighty. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. It's not coming nigh me. Do we, do we believe that? Yes, this is where we ha must 
we must proclaim it to our heart. We have to know it. And people will say, well, you know, sickness and disease are just a part of everyday life, aren't they? I put, uh, yeah, they're all part of a fallen world, but are we supposed to, as children of God, if we just be subject to it? Just come underneath the weight of it? Well, I don't know, you know, it's going to happen to everybody, because it's going to happen to me. That's not the mindset of God. Throw your hands up. I mean, you might as well just open the door and say, devil, come on in, have your way in my house. This is part of shutting the door, and we shut it by knowing the truth. And even declaring the truth over our lives. Because if we know these truths, if you're a follower of Christ, we don't live that way. Not when you have authority in Christ. We talked about that in one of the earlier messages. We have authority in Christ. We have the eternal promise of his word. Not when we see Jesus in the gospels healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, freeing people from bondage. I mean, sickness and bondage and the results of sin bothered him. It angered him. I mean, he wasn't angry with the person who was sick. He was just angry with the effects of sin, that it was beating people down. And people were just living under the weight of it, just in ignorance. I mean, sometimes you and I, you're going to have to get mad, tired of being sick and tired. And put your foot down and take the promises of God and say, my days of dealing with this are over. Because otherwise, I'm tell- I mean, I'd, I'm speaking from my own experience. Otherwise, the devil just wants to push you around, just push you around, push you around. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He, he is. He's a deceiver, and you have to stand up, taking that stand of faith. Let a righteous anger rise up. You know, we get angry about a lot of things. This is a time we can get angry and it's still sin not. Say, I'm done with this. I'm angry at being stolen from. And I want to just look at a story here as we finish this part of the message. About Luke 13, 11. There was a woman uh, who was oppressed by the devil. And I'm just going to take a look at how Jesus dealt with her. Luke 13, 11. It says, and there was a woman there, and this woman was in a synagogue, she was like in church, who for 18 years had an infirmity caused by a spirit, a demon of sickness. Now, certainly not every sickness is caused by a demon, but obviously they can be. Some sicknesses are from demon oppression. And she was bent completely forward and utterly unable to straighten herself up or to look upward. Now think about what this woman's life must have been like, 18 years. Completely bent forward, can't even look up. I mean, so she's not only suffering from some kind of crippling thing that had to be painful, but just looking down all the time. Can't even look up. And I think this is just so much also the work of the devil in our lives. You know, like, look downward. Don't look up. You know, just just oh, feel oppressed in your mind, ashamed, keep your head down, you're not worthy. I see so much of that in this woman's story. And then when Jesus saw her, he didn't just give her a few nice platitudes. Oh, look at that poor woman. Gee, you know, look at how bowed down she is. It's just too bad that these things happen to people in life. This is life. No, he did not react that way. Look at what it says in verse 12. When Jesus saw her, it said he called her to himself. 
and said to her, woman, you're released from your infirmity. He called her to himself. Let's not miss that. Here's a woman who's been sick. She's been suffering. She's hurting for 18 years. That's a long time. You know, and she's probably in the back of the room. She's hunched over. Nobody's really paying attention to her. Nameless, faceless. She can't even lift her head up. But she's in church. I think she's still coming to church. She's still coming to where God is. She can't pick up her head. You know, and sometimes the prolonged sicknesses will wear you out. If anybody's gone through anything, they can wear you out physically, emotionally, pull you down just like that. And I doubt that she felt noticed in that condition. Often after a long time, you're suffering, you're suffering. People have heard your story. It's like you feel forgotten. It's like forgotten by God. Everybody knows her probably is that poor old hunched lady in the back who just sits in the back. But nobody seems to be able to help her. And then here we have the master saying to her, woman, I see you. <laughs> I see you. He called her to himself. It's like, you're important to me. <laughs> you're, you're chosen. I came to set the captives free. You are my child. So he's, he's speaking to her now from truths from the foundation of the world. Like, you're loosed. You are free. He proclaims freedom over her. He says, you are loose. He hasn't even touched her yet. <laughs> but he's just declaring in faith, you are free. And, you know, I think sometimes we have to hear that. We have to get that in our soul first before it manifests outwardly in our body to hear the Lord say to you, you're released, you're free. God works from the inside out. Yeah. And so then verse 13, he says, he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she praised and glorified God. Could you imagine that moment? I mean, 18 years like this, looking down, she can't even lift her head up, and then all of a sudden she's, whoa, the people and the place should have gone crazy. But the crazy, the nutty part of this story is the religious people in the synagogue got all bent out of shape about it. What? You're healing on the Sabbath? You're breaking Jewish law? And look at verse 15. It says, but the Lord replied to them or him, saying, you hypocrites. <laughs> I mean, Jesus could be straight up sometimes. I love it. He said, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it out to water? To water it? Like, you'd help and have compassion on your animal if it needed water on the Sabbath, wouldn't you? And then he says, verse 16, and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham... Be, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Hallelujah. I mean, Jesus called her infirmity what? A bondage. He said Satan had, who bound her? Satan. Satan. So sickness is not a blessing in our lives. Some people will say, well, God gave me this sickness. And you know, through this sickness, it turned my eyes to him. And so that sickness has just been a, it's a blessing in my life. I don't, I think, well, he can turn your eyes. Of course he comes in a sickness whenever we call to him. He's like the first responder. He comes. It doesn't mean that he's the author of it. 
we live in a fallen world. I mean, we just saw where sickness came from. And so he's not the author of it. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. So who did Jesus say kept the woman bound? Satan bound her with the infirmity. So was it God's will to free her? If Jesus was sat there, what did he do? He freed her. He didn't just, like you say, nice platitudes. Well, that's too bad, woman. Just hang in there and, I don't know, go your way. No. He said, woman, you're free. He's speaking from the foundations of the world. He's taking us back to God's original plan because he knew he'd come and die on the cross. He would shed his blood for the penalty of our sin so that we could be fully reconciled back to God, restored to our original position. That's what it means to be reconciled. The whole thing's back in harmony now, but we have to believe it by faith. This is our challenge. This is our challenge because really the truth of the matter is Jesus is saying that to you this morning. You're released. You're freed. From your infirmity, we're talking about healing. You are freed today. Now, I mean, I know how this can be because I've struggled. You know, I struggled with something that was chronic. And you, you know, like, like, oh, no, I'm like, I'm free. Wait, I don't feel. It has to start up here, see, with the bigger picture. You meditate on the bigger picture. You see, it is work. You see yourself. You meditate on what God's plan is for you. And little by little, these seeds of truth drop in your heart. And you get a little excited. You get like, oh, I see something. <laughs> the biggest challenge is to hold on to it. Because it's easy. This is why corporate faith, this is why coming to church is so important. Because there's this corporate anointing where we can all join together in unity and our faith can rise up stronger. And then often we get out the door and it's like, where did that faith go? How many of you have ever felt like that? This is why for me, I go home and I re-listen to a, I re-listen to a sermon. I re-listen to a song. I, I go back to that point. It's like, no, revisit that Holy Spirit in my heart. Revisit that place where I touched your freedom. And that's how we do it. We get in the Word. So but, but do we have time? Oh, it's over. We ran out of time. We wanted to sing a song here at the end. <laughs> well, we can play the melody. We'll sing a verse through. We're going to sing Holy Ground again. I think it's a good way for us to end the message. The words in this song are so good because it says, Chains fall, fear bow. Here now, Jesus, you change everything. I want you to sing it and mean it. Mean it from your heart. Let faith come out of your heart. Get excited about it because it's true. It's true. And then as soon as we're done singing this through, we'll close out in prayer.
sing this expecting change. Jesus, you change everything. 